Section 29 of Smithsonian Institution, United States National Museum, Bulletin 240, Contributions from the Museum of History and Technology, Papers 34 through 44 on Science and Technology, by Museum of History and Technology. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Paper 44, Development of Gravity Pendulums in the 19th Century by Victor F. Lenzen and Robert P. Multauf, Part 4. The development of the reversible pendulum in the 19th century culminated in the absolute determination of the intensity of gravity at Potsdam by Kunin and Fritwinkler of the Royal Prussian Geodetic Institute, which then became the world base for gravity surveys. We have previously seen that in 1869 the Geodetic Institute, founded by Lieutenant General Bayer, had acquired a Repsold Bessel reversible pendulum which was swung by Dr. Albrecht under the direction of Dr. Bruns. Dissatisfaction with this instrument was expressed by Bayer in 1875 to Charles S. Pierce, who then, by experiment and mathematical analysis of the flexure of the stand under oscillations of the pendulum, determined that previously reported records with the Repsold apparatus required correction. Dr. F. R. Helmert, who in 1887 succeeded Bayer as director of the Institute, secured construction of a building for the Institute in Potsdam, and under his direction, the scientific study of the intensity of gravity was pursued with vigor. In 1894, it was discovered in Potsdam that a pendulum constructed of a very flexible material yielded results which differed markedly from those obtained with pendulums of greater stiffness. Dr. Kunin of the Institute discovered that the departure from expectations was the result of the flexure of the pendulum staff itself during oscillations. Pierce, in 1883, had discovered that the recesses cut in his pendulums for the insertion of tongues that carried the knives had resulted in the flexure of the pendulum staff. By experiment, he also found an even greater flexure for the Repsol pendulum. In order to eliminate this source of error, Pierce designed a pendulum with knives that extended from each side of the cylindrical staff, and he received authorization from the superintendent of the Coast of Geodetic Survey to arrange for the construction of such pendulums by Gautier in Paris. Pierce, who had made his plans in consultation with Gautier, was called home before the pendulums were completed, and these new instruments remained undelivered. In his memoir titled Effect of the flexure of a pendulum upon its period of oscillation. Pierce determined analytically the effect on the period of a pendulum with a single elastic connection between two rigid parts of the staff. Thus, Pierce discovered experimentally the flexure of the staff and derived, for a simplified case, the effect on the period. It is not known if he ever found the integrated effect of the continuum of elastic connections in the pendulum. Lorenzoni, in 1896, offered a solution to the problem, and Almanzi, in 1899, gave an extended analysis. After the independent discovery of the problem at the Geodetic Institute, Dr. Helmert took up the problem and criticized the theories of Pierce and Lorenzoni. He then presented his own theory of flexure in the comprehensive memoir. In view of the previous neglect of the flexure of the pendulum staff and the reduction of observations, Helmert directed that the Geodetic Institute make a new absolute determination of the intensity of gravity at Potsdam. 
For this purpose, Kunin and Furtwängler used the following reversible pendulums, which had been constructed by the firm of A. Repsold & Sons in Hamburg. 1. The Seconds Pendulum of the Geodetic Institute, procured in 1869. 2. A Seconds Pendulum from the Astronomical Observatory, Padua. 3. A Heavy Seconds Pendulum from the Imperial and Royal Military Geographical Institute, Vienna. 4. A Light Seconds Pendulum from the Imperial and Royal Military Geographical Institute, 5. A one-half-second reversible pendulum of the Geodetic Institute procured in 1892. Work was begun in 1898, and in 1906, Kunin and Furtwängler published their monumental memoir, Bestimmung der absoluten Grosse der Streckkraft zu Potsdam mit Reversionen Spendung. The acceleration of gravity in the pendulum room of the Geodetic Institute was determined to be 981.274 plus or minus 0 0.003 centimeters per second square. In view of the exceptionally careful and thorough determination at the Institute, Potsdam was accepted as the world base for the absolute value of the intensity of gravity. The absolute value of gravity at some other station on the Potsdam system was determined from times of swing of an invariable pendulum at the station and at Potsdam by the relation t1 squared over t2 squared equals g2 over g1. Thus, in 1900, a system G.R. Putnam of the Coast and Geodetic Survey swung Mendenhall pendulums at the Washington base and at Potsdam, and by transfer from Potsdam, determined the intensity of gravity at the Washington base to be 980.112 centimeters per second square. In 1933, Lieutenant E.J. Brown made comparative measurements with improved apparatus and raised the value at the Washington base to 980.118 centimeter per second square. In view of discrepancies between the results of various relative determinations, the Coast and Geodetic Survey in 1928 requested the National Bureau of Standards to make an absolute determination for Washington. Heil and Cook used reversible pendulums made of fused silica, having a period of approximately one second. Their result, published in 1936, was interpreted to indicate that the value at Potsdam was too high, by 20 parts in one million. This estimate was lowered slightly by Sir Harold Jeffreys of Cambridge, England, who recomputed the results of Heil and Cook by different methods. In 1939, J.S. Clark, published the results of a determination of gravity with pendulums of a non-ferrous Y-alloy at the National Physical Laboratory at Teddington, England, and after recomputation of results by Jeffreys, the value was found to be 12.8 parts in one million less than the value obtained by transfer from Potsdam. Dr. U. L. Dryden of the National Bureau of Standards and Dr. A. Barreth of the Geodetic Institute at Potsdam have recomputed the Potsdam data by different methods of adjustment and concluded that the Potsdam value was too high, by about 12 parts in a million. Determination of gravity at Leningrad by Russian scientists likewise has indicated that the 1906 Potsdam value was too high. In the light of present information, it appears justifiable to reduce the Potsdam value of 981.274 
by 0.13 centimeters per second square for purposes of comparison. If the Brown transfer from Potsdam in 1933 was taken as accurate, the value for the Washington base would be 980.105 centimeters per second square. In this connection, it is of interest to note that the value given by Charles S. Pierce for the comparable Smithsonian base in Washington as determined by him from comparative methods in the 1880s and reported in the annual report of the Superintendent of the Coast and Geodetic Survey for the year 1890-1891 was 980.1017 centimeters per second square. This value would appear to indicate that Pierce's pendulums, observations, and methods of reduction of data were not inferior to those of the scientists of the Royal Prussian Geodetic Institute at Potsdam. Doubts concerning the accuracy of the Potsdam value of gravity have stimulated many new determinations of the intensity of gravity since the end of World War II. In a paper published in June of 1957, A. H. Cook, Metrology Division, National Physical Laboratory, Teddington, England, stated, at present, about a dozen new absolute determinations are in progress, or are being planned. Hale and Cook's reversible pendulum apparatus is in use in Buenos Aires, and further reversible pendulum experiments have been made in the All-Union Scientific Research Institute of Metrology, Leningrad, and are planned at Potsdam. A method using a very long pendulum was tried out in Russia about 1910, and again more recently, and there are plans for similar work in Finland. The first experiment with a freely falling body was that carried out by Valet, who photographed a graduated scale falling in an enclosure at low air pressure. Similar experiments have been completed in Leningrad and are in progress at the Physikalische Technische Bundesanstalt at Brunswick and at the National Research Council in Ottawa. And analogous experiments are being prepared at the National Physical Laboratory and at the National Bureau of Standards. Finally, Professor Medi, director of the Instituto Nazionale di Geofisica Rome, is attempting to measure the focal length of the paraboloidal surface of a liquid in a rotating dish. Application of Gravity Surveys We have noted previously that in ancient and early modern periods, the Earth was presupposed to be spherical in form. Determination of the figure of the Earth consisted in the measurement of the radius by the astronomical geodetic method invented by Aristosthenes. Since the Earth was assumed to be spherical, gravity was inferred to be constant over the surface of the Earth. The conclusion appeared to be confirmed by the determination of the length of seconds pendulum at various stations in Europe by Picard and others. The observations of Richer in South America the theoretical discussions of Newton and Hagens and the measurements of degrees of latitude in Peru and Sweden demonstrated that the Earth is an oblate spheroid. The theory of gravitation and the theory of central forces led to the result that the intensity of gravity is invariable over the surface of the Earth. Accordingly, determinations of the intensity of gravity became of value to the geodesist as a means of determining the figure of the Earth. Newton, on the basis of the meager data available to him, calculated the ellipticity of the Earth to be 1 over 230. The ellipticity is defined by A minus B over A, where A is the equatorial radius and B the polar radius. Observations of the intensity of gravity were made on the historic missions to Peru and Sweden. 
Bougier and La Condamine found that at the equator, at sea level, the seconds pendulum was 1.26 Paris lines shorter than at Paris. Maupertois found that in northern Sweden, a certain pendulum clock gained 59.1 seconds per day on its rate in Paris. Then Clairaut, from the assumption that the Earth is a spheroid of equilibrium, derived a theorem from which the ellipticity of the Earth can be derived from values of the intensity of gravity. Early in the 19th century, a systematic series of observations began to be conducted in order to determine the intensity of gravity at stations all over the world. Cater invariable pendulums, of which 13 examples have been mentioned in the literature, were used in surveys of gravity by Cater, Sabine, Goldingham, and other British pendulum swingers. As has been noted previously, a Cater invariable pendulum was used by Admiral Lutka of Russia on a trip around the world. The French also sent out expeditions to determine values of gravity. After several decades of relative inactivity, Captains Bassevi and Heaviside of the Indian Survey carried out an important series of observations from 1865 to 1873 with Cater invariable pendulums and the Russian Repsol Bessel pendulums. In 1881 through 1882, Major J. Herschel swung Cater invariable pendulums number 4 and 6. 1821, and 11 at stations in England, and then brought them to the United States in order to make observations which would connect American and English base stations. The extensive sets of observations of gravity provided the basis of calculations of the ellipticity of the Earth. Colonel A. R. Clark, in his Geodesy, London, 1880, calculated the ellipticity from the results of gravity surveys to be 1 over 292.2, give or take 1.5. Of interest is the calculation by Charles S. Pierce, who used only determinations made with cater and variable pendulums and corrected for elevation, atmospheric effect, and expansion of the pendulum through temperature. He calculated the ellipticity over the Earth to be 1 over 291.5, give or take 0 0.9. The 19th century witnessed the culmination of the ellipsoid era of geodesy, but the rapid accumulation of data made possible a better approximation to the figure of the Earth by the geoid. The geoid is defined as the average level of the sea, which is thought of as extended through the continents. The basis of geodetic calculations, however, is an ellipsoid of reference for which a gravity formula expresses the value of normal gravity at a point on the ellipsoid as a function of gravity at sea level, at the equator, and of latitude. The General Assembly of the International Union of Geodesy and Geophysics, which was founded after World War I to continue the work of the Internationale et Messung, adopted in 1924 an international reference ellipsoid, of which the ellipticity, or flattening, is Hayford's value, 1 over 297. In 1930, the General Assembly adopted a correlated international gravity formula of the form gamma equals gamma e times the value of 1 plus beta times the value of sine squared phi plus epsilon times the value of sine squared times 2 phi, where gamma is normal gravity at latitude phi, gamma e is the value of gravity at sea level at the equator, Beta is a parameter which is computed on the basis of Clairaut's theorem from the flattening value of the meridian, and epsilon is a constant which is derived theoretically. 
the plumb line is perpendicular to the geoid, and the components of angle between the perpendiculars to geoid and reference ellipsoid are deflections of the vertical. The geoid is above the ellipsoid of reference under mountains, and it is below the ellipsoid on the oceans where the geoid coincides with mean sea level. In physical geodesy, gravimetric data are used for the determination of the geoid and components of deflections of the vertical. For this purpose, one must reduce observed values of gravity to sea level by various reductions, such as free air, bougie air, isostatic reductions. If G0 is observed gravity reduced to sea level and gamma is normal gravity obtained from the international gravity formula, then delta G equals G0 minus delta is the gravity anomaly. In 1849, Stokes derived a theorem whereby the distance of N of the geoid from the ellipsoid of reference can be obtained from an integration of gravity anomalies over the surface of the Earth. Venning minus further derived formula for the calculation of components of the deflection of the vertical. Geometrical geodesy, which was based on astronomical geodetic methods, could give information only concerning the external form of the figure of the Earth. The gravimetric methods of physical geodesy, in conjunction with methods such as those of seismology, enable scientists to test hypotheses concerning the internal structure of the Earth. Heiskanen and Venning Meinitz summarize the present-day achievements of the gravimetric method of physical geodesy by stating that it alone can give one the flattening of the reference ellipsoid, two, the undulations N of the geoid, three, the components of the deflection of the vertical, zeta and eta at any point, oceans and islands included. Four, the conversion of existing geodetic systems to the same world geodetic system. Five, the reduction of triangulation baselines from the geoid to the reference ellipsoid. Six, the correction of errors in triangulation and mountainous regions due to the effect of the deflections of the vertical. Seven, geophysical applications of gravity measurements, that is, the isostatic study of the Earth's interior and the exploration of oil fields and ore deposits. With astronomical observations, or with existing triangulations, the gravimetric method can accomplish further results. Heiskanen and Venning Meinsen state, It is the firm conviction of the authors that the gravimetric method is by far the best of the existing methods for solving the main problems of geodesy, that is, to determine the shape of the geoid on the continents as well as at sea and to convert the existing geodetic systems to the world geodetic system. It can also give invaluable help in the computation of the reference ellipsoid. Summary Since the creation of classical mechanics in the 17th century, the pendulum has been a basic instrument for the determination of the intensity of gravity, which is expressed as the acceleration of a freely falling body. Basis of theory is the simple pendulum, whose time of swing under gravity is proportional to the square root of the length divided by the acceleration due to gravity. Since the length of a simple pendulum divided by the square of its time of swing is equal to the length of the pendulum that beats seconds, the intensity of gravity also has been expressed in terms of the length of the seconds pendulum. The reversible compound pendulum has served to the absolute determination of gravity by means of a theory developed by Huggins. Invariable compound pendulums with single axes also have been used to determine relative values of gravity by comparative times of swing. The history of gravity pendulums begins with the ball, or simple pendulum of Galileo, 
as an approximation to the ideal simple pendulum. Determinations of the length of the second's pendulum by French scientists culminated in a historic determination at Paris by Borda and Cassini from the corrected versions with a long ball pendulum. In the 19th century, Bessel found the length of the second's pendulum at Königsberg and Berlin by observations with a ball pendulum and by original theoretical considerations. During the century, however, the compound pendulum came to be preferred for absolute and relative determinations. Captain Henry Cater at London constructed the first convertible compound for an absolute determination of gravity, and then he designed an invariable compound pendulum, examples of which were used for relative determinations at various stations in Europe and elsewhere. Bessel demonstrated theoretically the advantages of a reversible compound pendulum, which is symmetrical in form and is hung by interchangeable knives. The firm of A. Repsold and Sons in Hamburg constructed pendulums from the specifications of Bessel for European gravity surveys. Charles S. Pierce, in 1875, received delivery in Hamburg of a Repsold-Bessel pendulum for the U.S. Coast Survey and observed with it in Geneva, Paris, Berlin, and London. Upon an initial stimulation from Bayer, founder of Die Europäische Gradmessung, Pierce demonstrated by experiment and theory that results previously obtained with the Repsold apparatus required correction because of the flexure of the stand under oscillations of the pendulum. At the Stuttgart Conference of the Geodetic Association in 1877, Hervé Fay proposed to solve the problem of flexure by swinging two similar pendulums from the same support with equal amplitudes and in opposite phases. Pierce, in 1879, demonstrated theoretically the soundness of the method and presented a design for its application, but the double pendulum was rejected at that time. Pierce also designed and had constructed four examples of a new type of invariable reversible pendulum of cylindrical form, which made possible the experimental study of Stokes' theory of the resistance to motion of a pendulum in a viscous fluid. Commandant de Forges of France also designed and used cylindrical reversible pendulums, but of different length, so that the effect of flexure was eliminated in the reduction of observations. Major Robert von Sternick of Austria-Hungary initiated a new era in gravity research by the invention of an apparatus with a short pendulum for relative determinations of gravity. Stands were then constructed in Europe on which two of four pendulums were hung at the same time. Finally, Early in the present century, Venig Minus found that the Fay-Pierce method of swinging pendulums hung on a Stuckrath four-pendulum stand solved the problem of instability due to the mobility of the soil in Holland. The 20th century has witnessed increasing activity in the determination of absolute and relative values of gravity. Gravimeters have been perfected and have been widely used for rapid relative determinations, but the compound pendulums remain as indispensable instruments. Mendenhall's replacement of knives by planes attached to non-reversible pendulums has been used also for reversible ones. The Geodetic Institute at Potsdam is presently applying the Fay-Pierce method to the reversible pendulum. Pendulums have been constructed of new materials such as invar, fused silica, and fused quartz. Minimum pendulums for precise relative determinations have been constructed and used. Reversible pendulums have been made with eye-cross sections for better stiffness. With all these modifications, however, 
the foundations of the present designs of compound pendulum apparatus were created in the 19th century. End of Smithsonian Institution, United States National Museum, Bulletin 240. Contributions from the Museum of History and Technology, Papers 34 through 44 on Science and Technology by the Museum of History and Technology.